I'm Quinn Compulsible Reader. Um, and I just, before I forget, I, I did actually get pictures, which I have on my computer. Um, if we do figure out the host thing, I can share those later. Um, funny how that works. I was scrambling to get pictures together um, before speaking and it doesn't matter. Um, so uh, yeah, again, I'm Quinn Compulsive Overeater. Um, I'm very grateful for the opportunity to speak tonight um, because, because I need to speak and I don't, not because I have anything particularly profound to say, but because I need to be reminded of, of how I got here, why I got here, what keeps me here uh, and what works for me. And so I hope that I can share that with, um, with you. Um, so, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of people say that they were born compulsive overeaters and that was probably true in my case. Um, I would say that I became aware of weight, my weight and being heavier uh, when I was around six. Um, up to that point, I, I'm not sure that I had I don't think there was anything, you know, wrong with me. I wasn't an obese child or, um, you know, looking for sugar in the cabinet, but I was, you know, I was chubbier than the other kids and I got as a result. And uh, it just started this belief, which I, I still struggle with, which is um, I'm defective. And it is tied into a whole bunch of things, but uh, of course, weight is, is a big part of that. Um, so, you know, I just to kind of like, I'd like to qualify um, so that, you know, people can hopefully identify with my experience. Um, I, like I said, I was heavier than everybody else growing up. Um, and early on got the message or I received something and then I turned that into the message that I'm not good enough um, because of my weight, because I'm not, I don't, I'm not skinny. I'm not like the other kids. Um, and, you know, there was bullying around it when I was younger. There was um, some bullying as I, as I got into my teenage years, but at a certain point it stopped and the, the only bully left was the one in my head. And that, uh, my worth um, or lack of worth were so ingrained in me that it didn't matter that the bullying externally had stopped uh, because I was just perpetuating that in my head. My disease was it, was, it was never enough, you know? I could never lose enough weight. I could never, it was just never enough. Um, and as many of us have, have done, um, you know, I dieted, I came up with my own diets. I tried commercial diets. Uh, and as I've heard many people share, like I could diet. The problem was I couldn't stay in that state. You know, it was a temporary thing. That was the whole point is that my life starts when I get to whatever, 160 pounds. Then I go back to eating what I want. And 
I'm not sure if I'll pass that. Um, and so, you know, the dieting started from a reasonably young age, like probably nine. Um, and yeah, it was just up and down, but it wasn't, it wasn't just up and down. It was, this is a progressive disease. And what that means for me is that the high weights got higher and I was less and less able to diet down. I, so the low weights got higher, the high weights got higher and my life uh, continued, it got increasingly unmanageable. Um, and I was, yeah, I mean, I could spend all the time talking about what it was like. Um, I'll just talk about what it was like before I came in. I, I had taken two years off after undergrad and I was living at home, uh, in a town where there weren't a lot of people my age. And I was kind of in this limbo between, thank you, uh, between undergrad and grad school. And, you know, my depression, I, I have major depression. That's something I struggle with. Um, it was just like, I was rotting there, basically. I went to, went to grad school. I got the move. I thought, this is it. You know, now my life starts. And that lasted for about four months, you know, a feeling that like, oh, it's a new place. Like, I don't, you know, there's like a novelty to it. It's exciting. It's kind of scary. It keeps me on my toes. I want to be a new person, blah, blah, blah. And uh, basically by, um, I don't know, nine months later, less than that, probably seven months later, March of 2018 was when I first came into program. And I was thinking about it earlier today um, and about what got me here. And it wasn't I'm not sure that I would have gotten here on my own. And what I mean by that is I had basically resigned myself to the fact that my eating was unmanageable. I was 337 plus pounds, probably closer to 350. That's 337, just the last recorded weight, as far as I know. I, I couldn't, I could barely walk. I could, I was just riding my bike to campus and then trying, you know, walking, sitting, walking, sitting. Um, and my life was getting so small. And then the pain of getting through a day like that, how did I deal with it? I came home and despite, you know, being in searing pain just from, you know, walking through the door and putting my bike away and going to my room, I ate because that's all I knew how to do. And so what I meant to say about what brought me here is I, I didn't want to be here. I'm still not sure I want to be here. I just know that this is a better place than out there, than without a program. Um, and so what, what got me here? Uh, my family, love, got me here um, because I, I was at the point where I thought I'm going to die. It's going to be one of two ways. I will either eat myself 
into a, a you know some medical issue and dies like i was thinking probably diabetes and then i won't be able to stop eating still and i'll die that way and then i thought that sounds pretty gruesome i think i'll just take myself out and i have a very loving family and they said you don't get to entertain the option of killing yourself. And I was pissed. <laughs> I was pissed because that's that was such a a really good go-to for my disease because it was like, oh well, if it, you know, if things are gonna be over in a bit, I might as well eat. I might as well bring the walls down around me. And when that came up, when my family said, we love you, we care about you, you matter to people, whether you believe it or not, it broke my heart. And it gave me the willingness to try this program because I had been to some meetings before. I knew it worked for other people. I didn't believe it could work for me. So March of 2018 was when I first came in with both feet. And uh, I had a year of abstinence. I won't spend a whole lot of time talking about that um, because I relapsed. And I'm, you know, then it took a lot of struggling, a lot of pain to come back. Um, because for me, when I was in relapse, I'm not one of those people who can show up. I can't come to the meeting. I can't. It's so painful to sit at a meeting when I've binged half an hour before and just acknowledge and feel the reality of what I'm doing. So when I, when I disconnected from program and relapsed, I was all out. If you were, yeah, if you, if you were in program, if you texted me, you called me, I didn't respond. As far as you knew, probably I was dead. I finally came back in August of 2020. Thank you. Um, what brought me back that time? Well, I was 230 pounds. So on paper, maybe that seems better, right? Like 100 pounds lighter. Everything should be fixed. At least that's how my brain thinks. But it was the insanity of this disease was exactly the same. It was exactly the same. I was my life was completely unmanageable. The eating was unmanageable. I would be having, I was living at home with my parents during a portion of COVID and I would be having conversations with my mom or my dad in the evening, thinking about when I was gonna get to binge and what they were saying, like they could have been saying anything for all I know, because all I was thinking about is when are you going to go to sleep? So I can sneak out of the house and go to the store and get what I want. And it's like, it breaks my heart to hear myself say that because that's what this disease is like. It's a disease of absolute consumption. Like it consumes me and I want to consume everything. And so what brought me back the second time was the exact same thing that got me here the first time. I was suicidal again. And I have outside help for 
for that, but nothing has ever done for my depression what this program does. And that's not to say I don't need outside help because I certainly do. I need all the help I can get. <laughs> but um, again, it was love, love from others. People saying you matter, your presence here matters, whether you think so or not. And we want you to get better. So, so I came back in August. What was different about this time? Um, so I'd say the biggest thing that I have stuck to, again, whether, whether I want to or not, is outreach. Um, I, I make at least two calls a day. And when I don't, I'm like, oh God, now I have to tell my sponsor. And it's the whole thing and I, you know, so I avoid it. I avoid, I avoid missing the calls. Um, so, you know, I came in, I was doing a meeting a day because with Zoom, it's so accessible. Uh, I was calling my sponsor each day um, and I was doing phone calls. And as if I, if I was hearing me talk nine months ago, I'd be like, I'm not doing all that. And the great thing is it's different for everybody. What, you know, what works for me right now doesn't, there's no, there's no bar of like, you have to do this much program work per day to stay abstinent or to recover. Like it's different for each of us. Um, and I want to emphasize that um, because like, again, I, nine months ago, if you had told me that's what I would be doing, I would have said no said, I'm not doing that, but I was willing, I was desperate. And so I said, you know what? This is what I got. This is the program. It's either program or death. And I'm gonna do the program. So um, I got, got a sponsor, um, you know, uh, I was going to meetings daily. I was doing a five to, minute, five to 10 minute check-in with my sponsor daily, uh, phone calls, and I work with a nutritionist. I have a, a food plan. Uh, actually, I have a number of plans. I have a water plan because at one point I was probably drinking three gallons a day. And uh, it was interrupting my sleep. Like I'm a, I'm a compulsive everything. So uh, this program helps me in many areas. Um, but I will say that as, as somebody who has known the burden of at least an extra hundred pounds, um, I can say from my experience that it was really difficult coming in when I first came in and feeling like, you know, if I had a month, I got a month of abstinence, I felt incredible. But, you know, I had a hundred pounds to lose. And I, it was frustrating. It was really frustrating. And actually that first abstinence, I, um, I, the whole time I was in program for probably five months. Thank you. Um, I continued to go through the process to get approved for bariatric surgery because I did not believe that this program would work. Well, at that point I believed it would work. I didn't believe that it could 
that I can continue working it to a sufficient extent. Um, and, you know, again, bariatric surgery, maybe that's the right thing for some people. Uh, at the time, I knew for myself that I wanted that as a quick fix. I wanted the weight off and I wanted it off now. And in retrospect, I'm glad I didn't do it because I relapsed and I would have eaten right through that surgery. So um, I feel like I'm all over the place. Um, so thank you for bearing with me. Um, things, so how do I work the program? Um, I, I don't have a strong conception of a higher power. I was not raised in a religious household. Um, I did not grow up with religious friends. Uh, it, I was very much, um, I would pick other people apart because, oh, look at them. They've got their, their little orders from God, you know, that they're supposed to do and they have to follow all these rules and nobody's gonna tell me what to do. And uh, as it talks on the big book, like what I wasn't seeing or acknowledging was the sense of purpose and the sense of freedom and the sense of direction that these people had from a belief in a higher power. That doesn't mean I now believe in somebody that pulls strings and makes things happen uh, or, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. Like there's, a, I'm, I'm not a, a belief that there's a reason for everything, but I have a higher power that works for me and I've already shared what it is actually, it's love. Um, and it's because that the walls that were around my heart and my soul and my mind when I was in the disease, when I was in the food, when I was just, my world was shrunken down super small the love for my family and the people i care about blew those walls away it blew the doors wide open and i you know i was able to let that in and so that's the conception of a higher power that works for me today and sometimes i feel connected to it, it sounds kind of strange calling it it because it sounds like a, a thing, but it's more of a concept. Um, when I pray, I ask how I can bring love and tolerance and compassion into my day. Um, and then at other times, it's like more convenient to, to have sort of a, a being that I'm talking to or asking for help. So all that is to say the whole higher power thing from my experience is whatever you need it to be, whatever you want it to be, whatever holds you in loving support is, is what your higher power can be. And you have the freedom to choose that and to define that in this program. And that is just one of the many things that is incredible about OA is that abstinences are different higher powers are different. Um, and yet somehow, somehow we are all on this same spiritual path of recovery. Um, so 
yeah, so I, I pray and I meditate. Um, five minutes of meditation, sometimes three. Today it was three. Um, you know, I've been working through the steps with my sponsor. I will say that a daily check-in with him, uh, again, it could be like three minutes. Uh, that has been critical because what I did before was, you know, maybe I'll check in two or three times a week. I wasn't making outreach calls um, probably more than two or three times a week. Um, meetings were obviously more limited because it wasn't, uh, we weren't in the pandemic, but it was a lot. What I found with this round of, and this is the last round, thank you, um, is that it's all of this practice. It's all practice. Like when I, the spiritual, connecting spiritually is practice. Showing up and being present in, in the world is practice. Um, being patient with others and myself and this process is practice. And what that means is that it changes over time and it grows over time. Um, and the part, the, what I feel is the most important thing is the consistency for me. That has been the biggest difference between, I think, eight and a half months of abstinence now and the year I had before is it's consistent. And it's, I get to, I get to build that consistency because it's like, well, I have these things that I've committed to doing. I have these calls I've committed to making. I have people I check in with on a daily basis. I've built a structure that helps keep me up. Um, and I've heard it said that like the, the tools are like the handrails to help us up the steps. And I really, I really like that because the tools help keep me abstinent. And in being absent, I can move forward in the steps. And I'm on step nine right now. I'm making amends. And, you know, it's been, I thought these were my easier amends that I, I was doing, um, in confronting the fact that I really haven't been present physically and mentally at my workplace. And it's not an easy process. It's not a fun process but it is deeply, deeply freeing and rewarding. Um, and that's what I get from this program. I get freedom, I get peace, I get happiness. And not all the time, certainly not all the time, um, but it's like the possibility for those things to happen exists. It did not exist in the food. I, can't, I cannot be happy not happy in the same way that I can be now. I can't feel at peace the same way I can be at peace now. You know, I was in a place where I had to have headphones on all the time because I could not stand to be with my own thoughts. And when I take those moments to be quiet now, there's nothing in the moment that has to change. I'm not thinking about, oh my God, how did I just do that to my body? I'm not thinking about how am I going to walk from A to B. I'm just 
I'm like, wow, it's a beautiful day. The birds are singing. Um, I mean, I do live in Santa Barbara, so that's kind of a perk. But uh, I can be quiet and at peace. And that's a miracle. The fact that I'm alive is a miracle. And that all because of this program. So I'm so grateful for the opportunity to share. Um, and please reach out anytime, um, text, call, WhatsApp, anything. I would be happy to be of service in any way that I can. Thank you so much.